Welcome to the Inside Talent Podcast. This is a podcast for curious talent professionals where we'll interview global leaders from early talent, recruitment, human resources, diversity, and inclusion. My name's Adriana, and I'll be bringing you guests from a host of backgrounds, people from Fortune 500 companies, top-tier law firms, professional services, rapidly growing startups, universities, education providers, and disruptive technologists. We'll be talking through the ins and outs of talent management, what's worked, what's not worked, the successes, failures, and challenges along the way. Whether it's scaling a summer internship program nationwide, or the challenges of managing a large distributed team, or the journey that these global leaders took in their careers, and trust us, some of these will surprise you. Today, we'll be speaking with Julie Grazita. Julie is the Director of Global Leadership Programs and University Relations at General Electric. She began her career here at GE out of college, and she'll be sharing how large global organisations can create authentic, engaging experiences for candidates, and some of the challenges she's faced building a diverse and inclusive pipeline of talent. Julie, thank you for joining us on the Inside Talent podcast today. We're very excited to have you on. My pleasure. I want to start off our conversation by learning more about you, your current role and your career, how you got here, what you studied at university and what you're hoping to do in the future. Great. Well, my current role, I'm the Global Director for Early Career Talent, uh, which encompasses uh, university recruiting globally and our strategies uh, to attract the right talent into our company. It also it includes our rotational development programs, uh, what we call our leadership programs, which are uh, the primary way we bring university talent into our company. So it's the first two years with the company. And, and for our listeners, that's with GE at the moment. Oh, my, my goodness. Yes, I'm with GE. So I'm at, at, at GE, I'm the early career uh, talent leader. Okay. Wonderful. And what did you study at school? What were your What did you major in? So the end result was I was yep. uh, a bachelor of science in psychology. I started out okay. as a, chem, uh, a chemistry major, yep. pre-med. Wow. Decided that uh, people were even yep. more challenging than the sciences sometimes. So I sort of took a left turn Very to true. human resources. Yeah. Very true. And you started working in human resources straight out of school? I was lucky enough to get an internship with GE uh, post-undergraduate, pre-graduate school uh, with their HR leadership program, which I'm affiliated now, and uh, it worked out so well, I I ended up uh, joining their uh, program and not going back to grad school. They offered me a position straight on, uh, which was... uh, for me, a delight. So I got, mm. I jumped in uh, straight out of my internship after all. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And how did you end up in early talent specifically? Like, was there something that drew you to that? Or? It's a long and winding road. The very short answer is I, I had, um, I've had a great career at GE. So yeah. I've done uh, a wide range, probably about all there is in every facet of human mm. resources uh, I did labor relations. I did wow. lots of client roles in terms of uh, supporting a manufacturing workforce, mm. uh, sales and marketing workforce, uh, a variety of things. I did, uh, we gave it all different names, but I would call it talent roles mm. in uh, different uh, business units uh, throughout. Um, huge focus on development of people. Yep. Uh, and in the GE world, uh, 
was synonymous with Session C, which was all about thinking about your workforce and how you were developing people and what's next and succession planning and those kinds of things. And then I went back out to client roles. I supported uh, a business unit in our uh, financial services business uh, that was focused on the healthcare industry uh, and I'm abbreviating, and did lots of M&A work, yeah. you know, integrations, I mean, you name it. And, so uh, you've done Global expansion. We, I think we were the first into China with our sales force, wow. sales force effectiveness, all that good stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I've had a rich HR career. I moved to GE Corporate to be the head of HR for our IT and digital spaces uh, and actually quality. And um, got a look across all the businesses mm. as well. I had moved through a couple different uh, markets and um, industries in GE. But this was sort of going to the top and learning about everything from NBC yeah. and the broadcast industry to the water business and you know all those kinds of things. So in that, uh, it was much more about transformation of IT. It was much more about you know sort of future looking and what we had to do uh, yeah. for those strategies. And um, part of that, and this is the relevant early career part, I had responsibility for our early career programs for IT. So we renovated uh, both in terms of how we went to market, how we developed folks, and a great team of people working on that. But for IT, that was a pretty big space. And um, as a result, I was asked to sort of champion all the programs mm. uh, sort of an, as a way to connect them. Yeah. And then we formalized it. Our chief HR officer at the time asked, uh, created a new role and asked me to bring all of the, uh, of our early career programs under one roof rather than in sort of functional silos yes. and, and um, look at the space in terms of not only development in those two years mm. and the renovation we wanted to sort of uh, go forward with, but also how we went to market for that talent. So Thus came university. Here you are. Incredible. That's that incredible. quite a timeline. If yeah. you could maybe, in a nutshell, what has been maybe one or two of the biggest shifts that you've seen across that timeline um, in the HR kind of space? Oh, goodness. Well, clearly there's a lot of history here because mm. I have, uh, I'm working on my third decade at, at GE here in human resources. Mm. So um, I would say, uh, Phase one phase uh, of my life was really understanding the shop floor and labor relations, and really understanding um, value to employees. Um, I think that still true, holds true today. So, not a shift to mm -hmm. your question. I think there was another phase of just uh, digital. I, it mm -hmm. was all about um, at the time HRIS systems, and not only how you got uh, an enterprise system in place for every location, every business, every employee on the same system, but then how you really optimize mm. what you plugged into it, you know, sort of connecting the pipes. So our global rewarding system, automating headcount and other yes. sorts of things. So that was a huge part. I was actually a master, we were into Six Sigma. I was a master black belt for HR. So I was yeah, wow. quality for HR and HR for quality. And part of that was really the digital thing. So it was mm. um, putting Session C online and, you know, all of the things that... Um, helped us to um, incorporate technology to do it better. Yeah. And throughout your career, what do you think one of the biggest challenges was that you faced, um, whether that's personally in your career or professionally? 
So but we, there's so many, yeah. but I would say, um, number one is just the learning curve. I yeah. mean, you know, I tell my kids all the time, if it doesn't hurt, you're probably not learning much, right? Like that, That's it's, so it's, a, it's an uncomfortable place when you're on the learning curve. So those, I think mm. we all have plenty of those little yes. bumps in the road. Um, I would say the other is that, um, you know, we all have to get our bearings on our professional self and what mm. our ambitions really are. And then you have to marry that with your changing and evolving life. So, you know, my husband and I have had plenty of dual career mm. discussions about where do we want to be and what, when do we do what and all those kinds of things. And then we had started having a family and then mm. there's juggling through that. Um, all of those are challenges, but certainly not, uns- uh, you know, not without uh, plenty of solutions. Yeah. It's just so stressful along the way. Yes. So, um, so I would say uh, career-wise, I was fortunate to have great people around mm. me uh, to uh, guide me. Uh, and fortunately, when you're in a fabric of people that, uh, you know, professionally and personally care about each other, you also get great advice from people who've been there, done yes. that, to help you through some of those times too. Yes, yeah, and that's really important that advice part of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely been a common theme um, with some of the other people that we've spoken to on on this podcast is mentorship and finding mentors and um, reverse mentorship as well. Mm-hmm. Any sort of thoughts on or maybe tips for people that are um, early on in their career around finding and um, mentors? I would say don't put all your stock in having a mentor means Mm. success and not having a mentor doesn't I would say mentorship takes so many forms and I think formal mentorship is overrated yeah I think informal relationships with people um come in all forms and too often I see people who are aspiring to have a mentor that is some status or elite or Mm. they live at the top of the Mm. mountain whatever that is and I would say mentorship is about really appreciating what anyone around you, including an intern or what, can teach you. Yes. Uh, so I suppose that speaks to reverse mentorship as well. Yeah. But a, a mentorship uh, for me, I, I, I did at one point have a formal mentor uh, sort of relationship, but most of my mentors were informal. And mm. it starts with the, hey, can I ask your advice about something? Yeah. Or, you know, can, I ha- can we do a get to know and have a cup of coffee? Uh, and it starts with just initiating, asking questions, and people want to help. So yes. I think that it doesn't have to be the same person forever. doesn't have to be uh, a certain status. I would say uh, it's about being willing to ask for help and insight and uh, to do it with a variety of people because I needed different things at different times. I think that's so true. I was talking to someone this morning, and one of the things that they said about that, building that relationship part, it's almost like building up you know, an ever-changing board of directors or something like that for your own personal well-being, people that can be advocates for you, they can give you that advice, but it's not necessarily, you know, a formal, we have to meet up every fortnight, something like that. That's right. Um, And I think it's really interesting, one of the things is it plays into the diversity and inclusion part of things a little bit because if you can, and that's where you see sort of some organisations fostering these informal networks, and relationships for their employees better than others is if you can foster an environment where this is really encouraged for a diversity of employees, particularly at like levels. You mentioned the intern level before, 
um, that really uh, builds that inclusive environment, which obviously we know is so important for fostering, you know, more pipeline and enabling all of us to achieve our diversity and inclusion goals. I, it, it reminds me of something that I believe strongly in, uh, reciprocation. I think yeah. um, we give and receive in our life all the time. And when that's out of whack is when we have a problem, right? Yeah. It's not all about getting no. information from a mentor or whoever. It's not about, you know, uh, spouting it out. And, you know, I guess I'm at the risk of that today, but, uh, you know, but it's not all about uh, giving advice all no. along either. So I think that where we really build better relationships and the fabric of relationships is when we find a way to give and receive. And, mm. and you mentioned uh, the personal board of directors, which we've used that analogy plenty of times mm. too. That is also about balance because mm. it's, uh, on one hand, you have uh, senior people who can you know, give you perspective you just wouldn't have yes. had. You've got your peers who, you know, some of them are going to give you a hard time, some of them, you know, and push you, which you mm. need, and some are not going to challenge you, and they're going to they're gonna tell you that everybody else is wrong. And so you need the perspective of some of the folks that are, you know, tough on you, too, yes. uh, to really get there. So, you know, my mother uh, is my a little term for this is a hugger, right? They're the people who tell you, it's everybody else. Honey, you, you couldn't have possibly done anything. Else. I love that. And so, uh, you know, I we all need those huggers in our lives yeah. to help us sort of rebound and recover from, you know, a not so great day. Mm. But we need the other folks to really inspire and the challenge challenges. Us to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, personal setbacks is a great um, one. If if you could pull out one that you you feel like you came back from really strongly, um, just out of curiosity, um, if there was sort of a particular moment that sticks out to you is something that um, helped you come back stronger? Sure. Well, I've made plenty of mistakes, so I have to pick a good one, I guess. <laughs> it's always a, it's a tricky one. Um, it's not that I haven't thought about this or answered this question <laughs> a million times. Maybe not today. Uh, well... A super early on example. Maybe I'll think of a better one. Oh, no, that's perfect. Uh, Super early on. So I was in a manufacturing plant. I was doing labor relations. Mm. And I was this uh, pretty young professional on a shop floor with people who had been on assembly lines and done all kinds of amazing uh, uh, jobs and knew their jobs well. And I'm just the new kid on the block, Mm. so to speak. So I spent time... uh, getting to know people, and of course I wanted to um, build relationships with people and and so on. So anyway, I would spend time on the shop floor and I'd uh, uh, be talking to people and they would give me a list of gripes, the, you know, the, the length of their arm, and I would I would be sort of this super journalist writing my notes and taking notes and then I'd dash away to the front office to go fix it all. And really, I found out, now this was also in the Mid-South, uh, I also found out that they just really wanted to talk to me. Yeah. But I was so focused on solving mm. that I sort of missed a beat in terms of just what was going on with that inter- uh, yes. you know, that, um, that particular interaction. Was that interaction, just, uh, right. So uh, I know this is a super simple example, no. but it was sort of profound for me to say, of course, we take pride in solving problems. We mm-hmm. all solve yes. problems for a living, one way or the other. And, of course, I wanted to be their hero, that I'd solve the problem that they've been probably 
griping about for five years or something like that. And instead, I found out that really they just wanted to know they were heard and to interact a little bit. And, of course, they loved when I solved the problem, too. I don't mean that. But I think that that made me step back and really be a much better observer mm. of the interactions. And listener, down. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a and really, it's a really small example. No. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great one because um, I actually saw a quote the other day, there's two types of people in the world. There's those that uh, listen and then those that wait to speak, um, mm. which is sort great of, example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that, and that's so important because I think, especially at the start of your career when you're so sort of hungry and, like, you know, you want to get to the next stage or whatever is, you know, and... But sometimes it is about just taking a step back, not even a step back, just standing still, listening and observing what's going on around you. And I'm sure we've all made those mistakes in our career, you know, wanting to jump to solve the problem immediately. Absolutely. Sometimes that can't happen today. Yeah. Now, we were um, just talking a little bit before we started recording and you've been at a conference um, here in New York uh, and you were talking about um, some statistics in relation to early talent and mm. CEOs. T- take us through that um, a little bit more. Sure. Well, in particular, just that uh, in the talent space, this is uh, getting a lot of attention. And uh, I don't know that that's totally new, but I think that the trends that Universum uh, shared was just that CEOs in a recent survey, uh, over 80% of them highlighted talent as being one of their top priorities, of, uh, and that is a growing number, and um, acknowledgement that recruiting is getting tougher. So I think eight, that... 80% is huge. Mm, it's it a is. huge number. It is. And yeah. I, you know, I can't remember the exact number, but it was hovering at 80%, and of course that yeah. differed by country, but just the fact that it's getting a lot of things, and that CEOs themselves are getting even more involved in yeah. attracting talent and being part of the brand. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that obviously we've all spoken about is early talent and developing a pipeline of early talent. And as Eric just spoke about, the CEO becoming more involved in that, um, I guess, initiative or that development of that talent pipeline. What do you see happening at GE, um, particularly with the involvement of senior leadership, to build that pipeline of early talent for the next generation? Sure. Well, so first, I'm uh, lucky that at GE we have such a culture centered around development. Uh, Actually, more than 25% of our senior leaders started their careers on an early career program Mm. at GE. So there's a rich history of uh, bringing early career talent in and having great progression mm. and, and so on of course and retention is, that's and retention yeah. as well although you know we all struggle any anybody who leaves is you know yeah. doesn't feel so good but uh so i would say senior leaders uh fortunately um have a good appreciation for uh talent in general early career uh is you know i think is a special place it's uh it's you know it is about developing our next generation mm. of innovators and leaders and i think that um we do a really good job of cultivating that through people leaders. And even in terms of developing uh, our leaders, yeah. they play a part in um, mentored guidance for mm. for our early career talent along the way. And that's part of how we even mm. build our leadership throughout, too. Uh, yeah. Our CEO is, uh, is new uh, and has already been engaged with uh, and done... Uh, a few events with us to engage our early mm. career uh, program folks. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen terrific support so far, but, you know, really it takes lots of leaders and that's the part that I feel the best about. Yeah. 
that's really great to hear that there is that strong commitment across the, the senior level of the organisation. In particular, I know, as you mentioned, GE has such a strong people development focus of, you know, you can have your entire career there and build a very successful career. Obviously, I think one of the things that we are all aware of is that young people and millennials are chopping and changing and there's this idea that, you know, they're entering the workforce thinking they're going to do one thing and then five years later they've had six other careers and are doing something completely different. What are your thoughts around that and what are you doing to sort of address these challenges, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it has to do with, um, you know, there's a great drive, ambition to get good and great experiences. So uh, I don't think that's necessarily completely different than Mm. if I turn back, look, clap for myself. I certainly didn't think about staying with one company. I I just didn't think about the timeline, and I'm not sure anybody does Mm. today. But um, if you you are finding what you need and you're growing from what you get – in those experiences, then Mm. hopefully you'll stay and get more. Um, I would say for us, I think our rotational development programs have actually been a plus because we, both in our internships and co-ops, but also through rotational programs, um, they're designed to bring people in who maybe aren't quite sure what they want to do, but we are able to give them really great experiences with some variety to them, different leaders and teams to figure out how they fit different technologies and, you know, different um, mm. aspects of work that allow you to explore a bit while learning and sort of putting your professional thoughts together about how you want to uh, go from there. And I think that, you know, that's also where our prior discussion, different mentors, different mm. relationships are going to help you sort of shape your view of what's yeah. important to you. Um, at the end of the day, we all have choices. So, uh, Sometimes, and uh, you know, people are motivated for all the right reasons to move companies and, and so on. Fortunately, when you have uh, a place that has great variety and great experiences, um, hopefully we're providing that. That's a big part of what I focus on. That that allows for uh, you know folks to put more of the pieces together mm. and not have to search elsewhere to find it. Totally. I think that's a very pragmatic response. And and not everybody's going to stay. No, yeah. Yeah, it's not practical. No, not at all. A healthy level of um, attrition is is actually a good thing because it enables people to, you know, go out, experience other things. And if you've given them a positive experience throughout their time, they're they're probably more than likely to come back at some point um, if they're looking at, you know, different options down the road as well. So, you know, there's always always those uh, those boomerangs that, you know, go out Mm. and come back again. in a different role or a different capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of sort of when you're looking at talent, I know obviously there's such a breadth of like the type of business roles that you're hiring for, but what are some of the softer skills or the other skills that you look for for talent at every level, I guess? And that leads to the idea of like how do you see talent being desk ready for day one of their start at GE? So uh, let me give a tiny bit of context first. So we, uh, at least at GE, um, more than 75% of the people we hire are with engineering degrees. Yes. uh, Another 10 to 15% with computer science and so on. And so pretty heavily focused on technical fields. Um, Having said that, most of uh, our evaluation process is about 
someone's ability to learn, yeah, their adaptability, their, uh, we'll say, inherent leadership skills. Nobody has inherent leadership skills. But it's, uh, so I'm looking for people who have the interest to mm. learn and grow, the uh, capabilities, uh, demonstrated capabilities that they have sincere interest in a certain area. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, uh, and, and adaptability, mm-hmm. um, uh, simple to say, uh, is just teamwork. So yeah. it is about, are they, uh, are they invested in that reciprocation? Are they yeah. willing to help other people succeed Yes. while they grow? Are they able to, um, uh, Foster, you know, problem solving. You, know, yeah. you know, love to solve problems and so on. So I, I, um, I could give you lots of adjectives, and there's a lot of, re- you know, well used ones right mm. now. I would say overused. You know, resilience and grit and all those kinds of things. But really, I'm looking for people who have. They don't have to know everything. No. They have don't have to uh, have every skill they ever, you know, that we would like them to yeah. have. Um, we're gonna invest a lot into helping them grow that. And even for those things that they think they're agile now mm. or they think they're a uh, quick learner now, how do we help them to even get better at some of yeah. those things too? Because it's about it's about looking for the curiosity for some. Like if they curiosity have that inherent yeah. curiosity, okay. yeah. um, I don't want to go into adjectives, but <laughs> it's always you see that the, you know, there's the IQ and the EQ, and then you've got now we're looking at RQ, which is relationship quotient, and then I've heard AQ, which is adaptability quotient, oh which gosh. is what you're talking about, um, and it's sort of how do we measure these, how do we find them. But I, I sort of come back to curiosity, and if someone has an inherent curiosity to learn, and develop, then they can build those skill sets out. Yeah, um, ultimately, curiosity motivates, right? Mm. If I'm mm. curious, I may be uh, pull in more resourceful things to solve something, or motivated to get there, or to tough it out through the hard parts and all yeah. those kinds of things, right? So, just an example. Yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned briefly that um, obviously we've all just agreed that you know we're we're looking at the, the AQ and the adaptability and curiosity, but you, you mentioned how you are really going to, I guess, I don't know, upskill maybe the word or train or give people the skills that they may not have when they walk through the door. What are some of the ways that you're doing that and what do you have what have you seen that's worked and succeeded from those training, I guess? Well, so I think it's, uh, so first I'll say I can um, expand upon uh, the first two years with the company and our yeah. rotational development programs. We have uh, um world-class curriculum that goes with that. Um, But so some of it is uh, learning that's, let's say, classroom-focused or skill-building that way. Um, And we have a variety of things. So in our finance program that you'll learn foundations of finance, some people aren't even accounting majors. They may be an economics major. So understanding how to do uh, some of those things, we'll teach them how to. They don't have to Mm. have a CPA to to do that. well, also, so there's functional or technical training, and this is true in our digital program. This is true in uh, our supply chain or manufacturing program or our design engineering programs. Lots that's on the technical side that uh, expands upon what they learned in their university years, um, takes that forward in terms of some of the cutting-edge technologies that we're working on. Uh, and uh, and helping them to apply it to the real world and to real challenges. There's also the whole leadership side or interpersonal side. So we actually do quite a bit of uh, training on presentation skills, mm-hmm. on um, 
helping people understand the financials of the business, mm. uh, and helping uh, people, you know, team building and other kinds of things. But we actually have uh, a pretty rigorous on both fronts uh, account. And I would say, um, make no mistake, it's not all about classroom training. Totally. So it's also on the job training. So again, with rotational uh, job assignments, it's meaty work. It's work that matters. It's uh, the kind of experience um, that you learn with working with somebody who's an expert in their field. Mm. So there's some of those learnings. Um, and frankly, I'm uh, a pretty, I work very purpose driven, and I have to say, um, so I really think there's a lot to be learned as well about how we take that not just against our work, but how we impact our community. Mm. So there's a variety of ways that people band together and uh, whether it's a volunteer opportunity in the community or whether it's a volunteer opportunity in uh, a committee or a project, this is also ways that we exercise those leadership skills when you're organizing, um, you know, an yeah. employee event or something yes. like that too. Yes, It's a really holistic picture. Yeah, I really like Hopefully. that. Hopefully. If we're doing no. it well, it's really yeah. trying to uh, design well in terms of where people are going to get some of these experiences, global mindset and skills mm. how you know, we have a lot of global cohorts yeah so culturally how are we introducing those things and helping people understand you know how we uh, manage time zones manage yeah. you know, differences of opinion about who speaks up when and presentation skills and things like that so there's you know um it's conscious yes uh, and probably not so easy to spit out so sorry about that no very interesting <laughs> i wanted to ask actually about the, the globalness mm-hmm. of your organization and your different talent programs. How do you manage all of that? Because obviously I understand that, you know, talent in Asia requires something very different from talent in the Americas. How, how are you managing for all of that and building an inclusive mindset that still is GE into those different programs for everyone? So I won't have a perfect answer to say that because I'm going to try to keep this short. Yeah. I would say um, one a uh, simple way to describe it is that we have global franchises. So if I use the financial management program, so our finance group, uh, we have each business has a franchise of it. So that some of the, even though the program may be large, um, a given business has a cohort that gets to know each other better mm. and so on. But they also go to training classes with people from many other businesses in other countries and there's some practice at interacting with each other when you are all um, solving problems and learning things together. Um, There's a variety of of, um, work teams Mm. that are that way so that, you know, we'll have um, uh, project experience or work experience that involves colleagues from uh, a variety of things. And, you know, I will say in GE, you'll, you know, you'll definitely use your passport in the yeah. first couple of years with us. You'll definitely learn how to use uh, a lot of technology to um, be resourceful and connect with colleagues in different countries, you know, video uh, mm, and yeah. other sorts of things. Um, we have a lot of ways to interact. But anyway, your question was about, you know, how do you do that globally? Well, this is also mm. where on-the-job experience, some of the regionally um, distributed courses and things allow for mentored guidance from real leaders in your um, geography as well. Yeah. 
That's got to be that's got to be a, a key strength for you in terms of bringing those those talented individuals through a program, but also giving them such diverse exposure, not just to geographies and business units, but to people and cultures that in in, in like no small part would give them uh, such a strength in terms of unconscious bias training and all that. Looking back when they when they're hiring new people, it's perspective well. building yeah. on so many fronts. Right, we're trying to open up the world. Um, through work experience, yeah. through the interactions um, uh, with other colleagues, with interactions in different mm. markets and so on. And um, I think growing one's perspective as quick as you can, as early as you can, just gives you so, so much more opportunity yeah. and uh, an ability to even um, appreciate or use so mm. much more along the way. And that links to those soft skills that we were speaking to earlier. Mm-hmm. It's being able to actually want to build that perspective. Mm. Looking to the future a little bit. Um, this is where we get you to wave yeah, magic wand. I, oh, yeah, but also even before that, I really want to think about, like, we've t- talked about technology, but particularly in GE's business, how, and I know you mentioned earlier that what was your stat, like 90% of your roles that you hire for are technical, huge amount of technical hires. That, yeah. yeah. Um, where do you see technology impacting roles? Obviously, we always see headlines that, you know, AI is going to take all these thousands of jobs, whether that's true or not. What does that really mean to you and how are you shifting the way that you approach talent and hiring and talent development for that? So technology has a huge impact um, on many fronts. For example, in digital technology, yes. people who are focused on this, and I've worked with that crowd for a while, um, Things change constantly, which is yeah. why we invest so much in um, encouraging learning and even as part of our program, elective learning, if you will. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm using a word that would be similar in college. No, I like that. But how do we encourage the exploration and the ongoing learning because that is ever-changing? And, yes. and it does require, um, even as a company, not to have a mindset like check they took this class. That's yeah. not what this is about. So um, how we help people explore and mm. continue to provide and invest. Uh, we, we invest heavily in our people throughout their careers. Mm. So this is not just After early college. career. Yeah, this no. is the early career, I hope, it gives them a, a, a rocket boost. Yeah. But, but, the, but truly, the appetite to continue learning is, yes. is huge. I hope that technology, you know, technology certainly uh, isn't going to... Uh, take over all of these things. But if if these are truly the folks that are innovating mm. and leading, um, then they're going to help us navigate, which yes. is a bigger part of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's navigating and, and you know doing additive manufacturing or whether it's other things, mm. these are these are where we lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as to your point of, you know, it's it's the, the leaders, people who do have those leadership skills, however we want to define that, and can also develop the hard skills that are required to couple that with, we'll be able to navigate whatever the future throws at us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope so, right? Yes, yeah. let's hope so. Let's hope so. Otherwise, we all might be out of jobs. <laughs> no. Um, so one of the things that I and we I wanted to ask you is, Blue sky thinking, let's wave a magic wand. And if you could change one thing about talent recruiting, early talent recruiting, what would you change? It can be as menial as you like or it can be as significant. Oh, my goodness. I really want that magic wand. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll say this. 
um, there is nothing more personal than recruiting. Yeah. And for early career, this is one of the biggest, or you feel like it's the biggest decision in your life. So I don't want to minimize how important personal touch is in the recruiting process. But when we talk about technology, um, we were talking about that earlier. Nobody wants to be a number. Nobody wants to be lost in the stack or the pile or the database or whatever, you know, compilation there is. Um, I don't want to be lost in a sea of people. Um, I want to... um, I want to be me, I want to be able to flourish, I want to be found, I want to be Mm. noticed. And I would say my hope is that technology helps us to make things more personal, Mm. free up capacity so I have more uh, capacity to focus on that person. And the relationships. And not filling out forms or whatever. You know, if there could be one touch or no touch so that all the information uh, is there and we can, you know, do the things that you have to do, great. But I would like to use technology for more personalized experiences and certainly ease of use for some of those things Mm. so that we can get on with the good stuff. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that brings into the whole point of authenticity and being, your, you know, your own true self and fostering those relationships that, as we've talked about, are so important for your future career. That is a, that is a great takeaway. That's yeah. Absolutely great takeaway. Very great yeah. takeaway. Yeah. So, right. So, do you have that magic wand? <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, I wish I had a magic wand. We're all working toward it. Anyway. Yes, yeah. we are. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Love hearing your insights um, and experiences, and we're looking forward to seeing what you will do with the future of early talent recruiting at GE. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to our Inside Talent podcast. Subscribe to stay updated for our conversations with talent leaders.